back with how the prophet peace be upon him dealt with children this is part two of a series and in part one you have to go back and watch because or listen to it because actually the prophet peace be upon him he has a methodical way of doing this and in that particular first episode we talk about the secret to how to get your kids to actually listen and to get them to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those are huge struggles that I know most parents deal with or worry about or think about and not only do we tell you why it's happening but we tell you what to do to get that love to get that discipline so inshallah bizn ta'ala go back definitely and listen to part one but if you're done with that you come on into part two and we're going to talk about today the next step of what you do once you've got that established Assalamualaikum. Thank you for coming back to the Mindful Muslim Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Mindful Muslim, coming to you twice a week, Mondays and Fridays. And this month, we are going to be dropping some bonuses. A lot of women have been asking us a lot of information. So as summer is coming up, we know there's going to be a lot of kind of love in the air. I don't know what always happens to all the communities. So we're going to be giving you some bonus episodes on days other than Mondays and Fridays to look out for those. Um, Second thing is, I wanted to give a shout out to so many of the women who have been sending us amazing reviews, whether it's on Instagram or it's right here on Apple Podcasts, um, or maybe you're listening to us on Spotify, wherever it is. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start to read off a couple of them, give some shout outs to women who have been leaving them, but I just wanted to give a heartfelt thank you because I read them personally. Lastly, wanted to make an announcement of some cool stuff that's coming up this summer. Um, a lot of women, um, they felt disconnected from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we brought in two absolutely amazing sisters. And they're going to be helping us with getting our salah together and getting our connection with the Quran together. So if those are two things that you're struggling with, get excited. Because if you're part of our Thrive Global Sisterhood, you're going to be getting like a million bonus sessions and lessons under those things, um, whether it's during um, June or July or August. Yes, they have a schedule up. We just added many of those sessions. So go in and check them out for Sister Rehab and Sister Warda. They're going to be presenting these. That is that. We're going to be excited about that. So in the summer, we have that. Ooh, we, all, we also have inside of Thrive, we are preparing for, I think it's July or August, a, a whole like self-care Friday night thing that we're going to be doing. So if you want to get more into self-care, that'll be there. And lastly, um, if you are inside of the interview workshop with us, Today, if it's Friday, you're listening to this on Friday, I'm at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to do the second bonus lesson. For the people that have gotten there early, the 17th, 18th, 19th is when they're open. But from now until then, we're doing tons of bonus content. Now, on the 17th, 18th, and 19th as well, you're going to get like all the how to write your questions for the guy. We're going to do mock sessions and give away the master list. So if you're looking away for all those types of information we have a ton coming there but right now we have stuff going on and we're giving away courses and prizes inside so if you want that i put the link below in the show notes or you can dm me on instagram but yeah a lot of people are confused we're already doing lessons like come on in and join us it's it's something that i feel like everybody's been asking me for so here it is but we're only going to do it this time this year all right so let's get into the podcast because today we are going to be doing the second part so let's pretend you went and you did part one and you learned about how the prophet peace be upon him set the kids up so that their hearts and minds would be open 
And then now um, he's talking about how to build their faith. In the other parts, we might go into maybe how he built their character or their morals, something like that. But today we're going to go into building faith. And I think we're going to be kind of pleasantly surprised. But I think at the same time, what we're going to give away in this podcast is kind of the secret to why you may be succeeding or struggling with that, depending on (laughs) which one you are. And knowing how the prophet, peace be upon him, did things is the key. Because why are we trying to reinvent the wheel when the answers are already there? So I'm going to share that with you in this podcast. Let's get into it. Okay, so let's get into it. So in part one, we talked about the importance of an emotional bond. And the reason we didn't jump straight into building faith with the kids, because in order to have that, you had to do step one first. That's why I said, go back, listen to the first part of the series. Definitely critical. And in there, I'm telling some amazing stories about women, And about how the prophet, peace be upon him, how he would build up his daughter, daughters, and then inshallah, have them to have full respective men. So it's also good for males and females, but specifically some stuff we don't often hear about our women and how to build their confidence and self-worth. So definitely check that out in that part too. But once you have that, right, once you have that emotional peace, what you're going to know is he then would build up their faith. Now, before you ask anyone to believe in something, You have to build a relationship. That relationship has to be built on love and trust, especially with difficult topics, right? If you didn't know me from anywhere, you might might be like, oh, I don't know her. I don't know if I could trust her with this information. I don't know if stuff that she says I could believe. But once you're inside my circle and you see what we share and you see how other people respond or the results that they're getting, you're like, oh, this is real. Okay. Okay. I can open up. And you know what's funny? A lot of people tell me that. They get on consultation calls for me and they're like, okay, I've been following you for a year. I've been following you for two years and I didn't want to approach you, but now I feel it's time. I feel safe enough. I heard um, this other woman come on your podcast and she explained, you know, when she was working with you, blah, blah, blah. Or I heard, you know, I felt I've spent enough time with you to know that you're not judgy so I could ask you about this. And that's totally normal. It's normal for us as human beings to want to feel a safe space with someone before we like really take advice from them or we really um, believe everything. So what we want to say is that that's, that's what the prophet peace be him did. He built that love, that relationship, that trust and building that relationship. It was easier for them to accept things that he said, like I am the prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you want to go to, um, heaven, you know, do this and that, you know, like it was easy for them because they saw him and respected and loved him with everything else. So when he got to love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that was so easy because they already loved the prophet. And then when he talked about love of Allah, they wanted to love that too. So this is the missing link for so many Muslim families. So many of us are driving Islam down our kids' throats or we're shy to bother them because we don't want to make them feel awkward with their friends. I see these like one extreme or the others, right? So we want to be really, really careful that we're building that emotional peace. But then in this part, you know, we understand that the importance of that when we go to talk about faith. So if you don't have a good relationship with your kids, now now it doesn't matter what age they are. We're talking three, we're talking 13. If you haven't sat there and established it's really hard for you to go in and tell them, hey, you know, you're not praying um, or, or hijab. And, but, but when your child loves you, and like I know, for example, for my husband, um, he has a really deep relationship with all his sons. And it's funny because all he has to do is make a face or show displeasure. And they're like, oh, and they go scrambling. Like they're like, you know, Baba's upset with me. What did I do? You know, they usually know what they did, right? <laughs> but, 
you get me like because he, they have such a love for my husband, such a respect for my husband. The last thing, even I asked my son when he was younger, you know, you know, what would be the worst thing for you ever? He's like, Baba being upset with me, you know. So like they really, really love their dad, the sons, and they really. Um, we had to change that love a little to be like a lot upset with you is a bit more important than Baba. And even Baba had to step in and say, I love how you love me. But you know who I love more than anyone and who you should love more than anyone? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if he hadn't built that emotional piece, he sits with them, he plays with them, he talks to them about their problems. If he hadn't done that, that like fear of not praying and, you know, other things like they follow him because they want to be like him. And as he prays, they follow. And you're going to see some of that you know, and the other things I talk about today. This is what the prophet, peace be upon him, did, which is why we're discussing the development of faith after the trust and bond and emotional peace. And he did the same thing with the Sahaba. That's the same way he got humanity to follow him, right? As one hadith says, the prophet, peace be upon him, spoke and the companions bowed their heads and sat completely still as if birds were sitting on their heads. And that's in Tirmidhi. And so that's the result is like this ultimate respect and love like I don't want him to to feel bad for me because I love him and respect him so much so I know in our Muslim homes a lot of us use this like authoritarian like my way or the highway or sometimes I see women who do like this like oh I don't want to you know and they do everything for their kids and they're just kind of like you know if you like ask me enough times I'll probably do it even though I know I said no the first time we have to go from like stopping like one extreme to the other we have to find this middle ground and I know it's easier said than done you haven't maybe seen it before but as we look at the examples of the prophet throughout this series I want you to know you can do it. That's how I learned. Okay. I didn't have the perfect, I came from more of an authoritarian home myself. So I didn't have that example. I had to learn, unlearn some stuff and then learn. But you know, we take the good and we leave the stuff that doesn't make sense for us. And of course, obviously all Islamically aligned, but you got me. Now the young children believed in the prophet peace be upon him because they built, he built that strong emotional peace, that mutual trust. And he built their faith on top of a foundation of emotional bonds. So to develop your child's faith, the first thing you need to do is make in, for making them love the prophet and making them, you know, want to be like him is you need to nurture the love you have for the prophet first. I know it's like, oh no, wait a minute. I have homework. I know we love so much when we want to fix quote unquote our kids that we was like, oh, what do I got to do for those kids, those kids. But so much of parenting guys, I'm going to tell you this as a mom of five, 20 something years as a parent, it's parenting ourselves first. And I said that in the last podcast, I'm going to say it again here. It starts with you. It starts with me. Genuine love for the prophet, peace be upon him, has to happen in your eyes when you talk about him. They should hear you praying for the prophet whenever his name is mentioned, right? In all your actions, you should be inspired by the prophet. Your children are more observant in what you do than in what you say. If you, they see you devoting time to like the newest Netflix series or you're watching like Game of Thrones or Squid Game and all these things, if that's where your time is, they know what you're doing with your time. If they see you on TikTok or, or scrolling on Instagram or Facebook and YouTube most of your time, that then goes off, mommy doesn't even get up, they're taking notes. Okay, you told me to follow the prophet, but you don't even follow the prophet. So this balance where I'm not saying to cut yourself off from humanity, I'm saying, what did he do? He prayed on time. So let's pray on time. So, so much of what we want from them has to start with us. There's so many things we can talk about, but let's just do a couple. The first thing we said is you show it within yourself. The second one are stories. 
everybody loves stories. Now, if you don't know stories, there are a plethora of stories all over the internet. There are so many bookstores. I'll throw one out. I love here. No sponsorship. Um, the Crescent Moon Bookstore, she has so many books for kids and stories. Like you could just buy one. I have one on, um, all about hadiths and I take them out or the prophets and I just pull one out here and there and I read it. And I show my emotional connection to it. And I talk about how it's affecting my life. I take out sometimes the clear Quran. The clear Quran for kids is amazing because they have all these mini stories in them. Amazing for taking them out and discussing life and Allah and the Quran. So I'm going to get into the Quran in a second. But I'm just saying stories are really important. And the Sahaba, they used to tell stories to their kids. And they used to also develop aqidah. One of the reasons that we're struggling as an ummah is, if you ask the scholars the real reason it's our aqidah is not really solid in the muslim community and by aqidah i mean our they, they translate it as creed but it's basically like our foundation so making sure the kids have the foundation of the five pillars and the six pillars of iman and understanding like the afterlife and the, you know the angels and all that stuff those are like the basics that all the kids should have and people say well when should you teach those there's always time to teach those even in little mini bits sometimes there's so many songs out there obviously without instruments and you're just you know chanting them for when they're small so that when they're older they can understand. And some people say, well, what should I do first? Should I teach the Quran and make them understand the surah or um, with, you know, with the tafsir or should I just make them memorize but don't understand what they're saying? That's another thing that everybody kind of agrees slash disagrees on. And so you ask different people, they tell you different things. Um, but what I will say as an educator is their minds are little sponges until they're about seven or eight. It, it sometimes can go on longer, but the point is it's a great time for memorization. So I do usually for my kids, and this is just myself, not my suggestion for everyone, make them to memorize more Quran when they're younger because it's so much easier. The older we get, it's a bit harder. And so I always tell them little stuff, but I don't go too deep. And then as they get older, I obviously give them so much more detail. But as you can see, loving and acting ourself comes first. Um, exemplifying those pillars ourselves in our life is first. Making sure our prayers are in time, showing our love for Allah, like all these things in ourself is really, really important. Simplicity is power. A lot of us think we have to go, when I said bookstore, I didn't mean to go buy like a ton of books. And then people, sometimes we think that's the solution, right? I'm going to buy books and put them in my house. And then my kids are going to love a lot. How many times have you bought books, maybe as a parent and put them in your house and like, yeah, this is going to solve my problem. And then like never read the book with the kid or they're there. Or maybe the kids read them, but like you didn't really do what you wanted or you didn't really see that transformation. Like, so we're not talking about spending money. We're talking about resources if you need it. And if not, I'm sure there um, are some other, you know, things online or the mission. But the point is, um, you know, really making sure that there are, um, they're getting the basics and their understanding. And the other thing is they can't love the prophet if they don't know who he is. So actually going to the sirah and teaching him, you know, they have, um, you know, the sealed nectar. Um, and this is the famous book we're all supposed to use, Sealed Nectar. And, uh, you know, Ibn Kathir. But at the end of the day, the the point of it is to have that connection to stories. Because what's in that, it's story after, chronologically, story after story after story. And you can easily find a connection between that story and our present day life to go, ah, 
that's how I should handle when I deal with the disbelievers. Ah, that's what I should do when anxiety strikes or, or, or trials come. Ah, like the, there's just tons of stories. If you look at the Quran, yes, it's tons of, tons of reminders, but how many times does Allah say, and remember the story of Musa, والسلام, and remember the people of Thamud, you know, like the, the people of Ad. So he's referencing as examples. So having a story for an example, super, super important. And so having our kids understand all these things is really, really key. So I thought we would end with some practical tips to help your children love the Quran. Now, again, we did talk before about the emotional connection, all that stuff that still all applies to all this. We talked about you giving the example first. We talked about the importance of stories. That's just in general and the connection with the seerah by like knowing um, like a lot of times um, we'll have problems that happen within the day or the week. And I'll be like, this reminds me of the time that blah, 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 this Sahaba did this and had this problem. And my kids are like, oh, what, what happened? I'm like, well, nah, nah, nah. I'm like, what do you think we can learn from that? And then the, you just have basic conversations like that. It doesn't have to be like a special time that you sit down. So let me say something about loving the Quran again. You have to love the Quran. How <laughs> many of us are not picking up the Quran regularly? You know, this is the thing. So. For example, um, I do the Quran while my kids are sleeping. So I do it really early in the morning. If you've seen my morning routine on YouTube, you'll know that. But what I do is I intentionally leave the Quran out in the morning so my kids can know. And sometimes I want to say I almost leave a little bit of it for when they're awake so they can make sure they saw me. Um, so like, it's important that they visually see you. Um, and if you don't do a time they normally are, it's still important. Otherwise, imagine if your whole life you were reading the Quran, your kids never saw you. And then they grew up like my mom, she doesn't even read the Quran. <laughs> it always happening at five in the morning. So, um, that's one thing I have to say is I, I, I use stories on a daily basis. That's my first tip. And my, my second one is that I constantly let them see me reading the Quran myself. And, and I, and the next thing I try to do is I, like a third tip is I encourage them with one theme for the month or for the week or something like, okay, guys, I know we're really struggling in our family, but let's really focus on patience. What does patience look like? So then we have some stories from the Quran related to patience or related to kindness or whatever it is. And we all focus on that. And another one is I reward the kids. So in my family, we don't actually do birthdays and birthday parties. I know some people might do that, but we don't. Um, we reward the kids and have parties for them when they memorize parts of the Quran. Like my son was just finishing um, a, a juz of Quran. And so at the end of the juz, he knows he's reviewing because we're going to celebrate him and everybody's going to celebrate him. So I make the occasion like everyone recognizing the Quran because the Quran is so important. So to me, that's a better message than just like having a party for the sake of a certain time of year or something. So for us, that's the way we value it. You figure out what works for you. We, you can um, have competitions and quizzes. Sometimes we do that with the kids. We like set timers and we see how many ayat they can memorize in a certain time. But just for the sake of like fun, it's not a regular thing, just a little motivator, a little competition, but in a good way. The Prophet, peace be upon him, used to like allow some of that where um, Abu Bakr radiallahu and um, Umar radiallahu, they were best friends, but they would race for Jannah. And even my friends, I remember one time I had a sister of mine, we were both struggling long, 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 long time ago to memorize uh what i was i think it was uh i want to say it was neba and um so we both challenged each other all right i'll check you back in a month let's see you know who who memorized the whole surah or how much you got and how far you got and then we came back and then we went to each other and we saw who won and you know we 
tease each other a little bit, but we're like, we both made the intention, we're racing for Jenna together. And so like little things like that, where you can have a little competition with your friends or like whatever, and whoever loses has to take the other one out for a, a coffee or a dinner or something, you know, we did things like that even as adults. So for kids, we do something similar. Um, you um, showing them that the Quran is like a book of answers for life. You talking about how like when you don't know how to solve your life's problems, you go into the Quran for answers. And that's really, really important. And lastly, what I'll say is I teach my children from the Quran that there's many, many du'as and prayers inside. And we find that Ibrahim or Yaqub, when they had difficult times, or maybe it was Musa, there were certain prayers that were inside the Quran, and I show them how I use them in my daily life. So there are so many nuggets of wisdom from the way that the Prophet, peace be upon him, did things. And I was just suggesting how some ways that I took those um, lessons and things that he encouraged and used them in my daily life life. And I hope that was really helpful. And this is only part two. We have one more part of the series, but look forward for the rest of the week of all the stuff that we have coming. Whether you're inside of Thrive Muslimah, we have different things for uh, to help you connect with Salah or a Quran, or whether or not you know you need a little self-care this summer. So we have a couple sessions again inside of the, um, the monthly sisterhood, or if you want to be with us inside of the workshop. Now, one last thing I'll say is I had this question. Um, people ask me, always ask me um when it comes to when I talk about the marriage stuff like at what point should I start worrying about marriage for my kids and I want to say this and this goes kind of hand in hand with the faith piece so that's why I want to connect make the connection here I started raising my kids to be great spouses from toddlers because think about it um people oh that's crazy like what are you going to teach them then about marriage I'm not teaching marriage I'm teaching their character so we're raising them in character. Now, how could you raise your child to be a good spouse and have the character and the characteristics and the qualities of a good spouse if you don't know what they are? Do you get me? So how could we raise? So when I learned how to marry my kids, it was really important to me from a young, from when they were young for me to know what that looked like. Because how could I push towards something that I didn't know I was pushing towards? Do you get me? So Parents ask me, can I also, um, you know, join and whatever so that I can, if I want to do the interview or if I'm in your school and I want to take a course on marriage, it's not for me, it's for my kids. Oh, yeah. Like, and when you share that information with your kids, you're empowering them. So for just so you know, for, to answer the question, yes, parents can buy it for themselves to educate themselves on how they are able to do it as far as the course that I have, because I do have a marriage course called the uh, Marriage Muslim Lab. It's reopening. And also, um, if you want to attend the interview workshop, that's fine. I encourage you like if you have a teen though to have them kind of do it themselves our cutoff is usually like 17 ish so more than more than welcome but definitely having everyone understand what good looks like is really really important all right i hope all that was helpful i will see you in the next podcast don't forget we're dropping some bonus ones outside of monday and friday so keep checking back and you might be pleasantly surprised to find a new episode as a bonus all right talk to you in the next one assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh